0: this morning we're going to jump into God's word. We're in the second week of our Christmas series. It's called Awe and Wonder. And last week we, we began by talking about how we can at times lose the awe and wonder of God in our lives. And I think especially during this holiday season where we're talking about Holiday parties, how many of y'all have uh, Christmas parties left and right going on right now? I know for us, we got a lot of Christmas parties coming up and that have already taken place. And then you've got all the baking that you got to do, right? Any bakers in the room, baking cookies, baking things, all right? All right, my wife used to bake. I don't know if she ain't baked in a minute, but uh, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, She used to make a mean cheesecake. I ain't had one in a minute, but uh, uh, all the baking, all the gift giving and gift getting, right? All the, the wish lists on Amazon and just all the things that we have to do during Christmas, it can be really easy for us to get so busy with the Christmas stuff that we lose the meaning of what the season is all about right? And so if we're not careful, we get so busy that we lose the awe and the wonder of the Christmas season. And so our hope is that during this series that it would just inspire us to maybe discover or for some of us rediscover the awe and the wonder of the Christmas story, the the story of the birth of Jesus and all of the events surrounding that. So this morning, we're going to read from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Last week, we talked about uh, Mary's encounter with the angel Gabriel and the immaculate conception of Jesus. And this week, we're going to talk this morning about the shepherds in the story, the shepherd's role in the story. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. It's in your notes. It's on the screen. I actually have... The actual Bible here today. Some of you have seen one of these before. Luke chapter (laughs) 2, verses 8 through 20. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, say suddenly, suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Interesting. Last week, Mary encountered an angel. Her response, she was terrified. This week, the shepherds encounter the angel. Their response is terror, right? There's something supernatural happening here. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. Say good news. news. That will bring great joy to all People, that's my favorite verse in this passage. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, again, a lot of sudden things happening. The angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds looked at each other and were like, what just happened? No, that's not what it says. They said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried. How many of you know they hurried? Like they really hurried. They wanted to see what this was all about. And they found Mary and Joseph. There was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. The title of today's message is The Awe and Wonder of God's Glory. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for uh, the, the power of the, the story of the birth of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that there's relevance for this story in our lives today. I pray, Lord, that you would just renew that sense of awe in our lives, that you would renew that sense of wonder in our hearts. And Jesus, that we would just see you at work today in our lives, that we would sense, God, your presence and your glory among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, how many of y'all have ever been starstruck? Maybe you encountered somebody that was like a special kind of celebrity-type person, or maybe being in New Orleans, we have a lot of movies around. Maybe you saw somebody from Hollywood or a famous actor or maybe a famous musician. Come on, anybody ever, anybody ever been starstruck? Okay, a few of us. I'd like to hear who you were starstruck by, but we can't do that now. But uh, I remember when I was younger, growing up in the Midwest, I'm a huge St. Louis Cardinals fan, best baseball team on the planet. Okay, just know that. And uh can I get an amen, anybody? All right. Yeah, I know there's some other fans in the room. I knew that would strike a chord. That's okay. But I remember uh when I was younger, we would go to the games and me and I had a friend, we knew where the player's exit was in the stadium. Okay. We weren't stalkers, we weren't like creepy, but it was a little, you know, it was a little bit of stalking. But we knew the player exit and we knew where they would leave the stadium. And so, you know, we would go there to try to get autographs. Come on. Anybody ever tried to get an autograph and you feel like total fanboy, fangirl? You're like, could you sign this? Right? And now that I have kids, I can be like, yeah, hey, it's for the kids, man. Come on, just sign this. And we've definitely done that a few times. But we would go to the player exit, and we would see all the, all the athletes, all these famous baseball players leaving in their, like, super nice vehicles. And, you know, some of them would stop to sign autographs. Most of them would just drive on and wave. But I remember uh, one, one player in particular, uh, kind of when I was in high school, that I, I really wanted his autograph. His name was Mark McGuire, Okay. Some of you know about him. He was like home run king. Uh, And yeah, he took steroids, okay, but he hit a lot of home runs. And this guy was just like so, he was a Hulk, a Hulk of a person. He was like six foot two or six foot three, like 250 pounds, just pure muscle. And I remember the first time like standing next to him just being like awestruck by how big he was and, and by the fact that he was like right there. And I eventually actually got his autograph, you know. It was was a moment. We had a moment, Mark McGuire and I. That was before the age of selfies. You know, if I could have, I would have gotten a selfie and been like, yeah, you know, Mark McGuire and I, we hung out. Like, we we had a moment together. And then last week, we were at dinner uh, with some friends on Sunday night, Laura and I. And I look across the restaurant to the table next to us. And I saw this face that I recognized. It was a former Saints player, uh, Keenan Lewis, some of you all might know him. He played a few years ago for the Saints. I was like, dang, that's Keenan Lewis. And I pulled out my phone, like pulled up his picture. He was a good player, you know, so I, I remembered him. I was like, yep, that's him. That's him right there. And he kind of saw me. Have you ever had that moment with somebody famous where like they see you looking at them and they're like, oh, I hope he doesn't, like, say anything and make my (laughs) dinner, like, really awkward. He had his whole family there, and so I was, like, just gave him a little nod, like, I know who you are, but I'm not going to mess with you right now, you know, but we had a moment at dinner. We had a moment together, I went home. I was, like, telling the kids, you know, yeah, I saw Keenan Lewis. They were, like, who? I was, like, never mind. You don't get it, but, but when we see someone famous like that, what we want to do, I, at least me, is I want to go share with somebody about what happened. I want to go say, hey, yeah, uh, I saw Cam Jordan today on, on my flight, and yeah, I got a picture of him. He didn't know, but I, I snuck a little picture, right? You know, and uh, we, we have that tendency to want to share who we saw or who we were with and let people know, like, yeah, I was literally with that person, right? Think about maybe the first time you were in love for anyone who's been in love. And like, you know, all you can think about, all you can talk about is the person you're in love with. Or, yeah, 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 look, some of y'all are still in love. Or maybe you have a restaurant that you love. Come on now. Maybe you have a restaurant that you love and you're like, you want to tell people about it. Like, man, their gumbo is so good or their their uh, their, their po'boys over there is so good, right? We want to tell people. About it because you know, whatever or whoever you can write this down, whatever or whoever you talk about the most reveals what or who is important to you. So, whatever or whoever you talk about the most reveals what or who is important to you. So if you're talking about the saints a lot, like all the time, then I take it that the saints are important, right? If you talk about your family all the time, then I take it that your family is important. If you talk about Jesus all the time, then Jesus must be important, right? And how many of you know that you can tell a lot about what is important to someone by looking at their social media feed, right? Like, if they're posting pictures of food all the time, you know they might be a foodie, right? If they're posting pictures of their kids all the time, at some point we're like, yeah, we get it. You like your kids, right? You can tell what somebody finds important by what you see all over their Instagram. But here's the truth. Everyone, say everyone. everyone. Everyone has awe and wonder with someone or something. Everyone has a sense of awe and wonder with someone or something. It could be their career. It could be their bank account. It could be their toys, their cars, their boats, right? We could have awe and wonder with a lot of things. But my question is, would the people in our lives say that we are in awe and in wonder of Jesus? Is there a sense of awe and wonder in our lives that is evident to others related to our our faith in Christ, our relationship with Christ? And what would happen, maybe for some of us, if we honestly evaluate that, we're like, ah, probably not as much as there should be, right? Maybe I could have a little more awe, a little more wonder in Christ. And my question is, what would happen with our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, the people that we're around every day, if that awe and wonder for God was really evident? My my guess is that there might be somebody sitting next to you this morning that otherwise would not be sitting here today, if the awe and the wonder in our lives is evident for them to see. Are you all with me? That. If I have awe and wonder in my life, somebody else can can recognize that and they want to know what that's all about and it can ultimately draw them to Jesus. Amen. And so, you know, maybe there's some of you in the room today that maybe are not yet a Christ follower, and here's what I believe. There are many people that aren't yet Christ followers because they haven't seen awe and wonder in the life of Christ followers. Right? That like, if all I'm seeing is stale religion and nothing, uh, nothing exciting, then I, I don't want that, right? But if I see your faith and it's exciting, come on now, then I can get excited. Like, that might be something I want. But if I see your life as a Christian as blah, boring, rules, right? No fun. Nobody wants that. Come on, we want fun in our lives. Yeah. And I just believe that following Jesus should be an adventure, that it should be exciting. That if, if you're not excited following Jesus, then you probably aren't quite doing it the way that you should, right? There should be a level of faith that leads to excitement. And if there's no excitement factor, then I would challenge us that we have to rediscover the awe and the wonder of who Jesus really is. So we're gonna walk back through this passage and I just want us to kind of think about the awe and wonder of God's glory in this passage, how it was revealed and the way that it changed the shepherds' lives and then apply that to our own lives. How can the the awe and wonder of the glory of God change us and then not just change us but also change the people that are in our lives as well? So let's look back in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Says that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. How many of you know that's what shepherds do, right? They're with the sheep, they're in the field, they're guarding the sheep. So let's just talk for a moment about these shepherds. So, shepherds in this culture were considered to be very lowly, very uneducated, very poor, okay? Like, they're out with the sheep. How many of you know you smell a certain kind of way if you're hanging out with the sheep all day? They're out away from people, maybe kind of isolated. They don't know how to relate to people very well. If you're an introvert, a shepherd would have been a good job maybe for you, right? The shepherds were kind of cast, castaways a little bit, a little bit looked down upon. And then not only that, from a religious standpoint, they weren't allowed to go to the temple, to worship because they were seen as unclean. And so in temple worship, they wouldn't have been allowed to enter into the temple and worship the way that others would have been able to. But here's the interesting thing. God chose them to be a part of the story. That they were poor, they were uneducated, they were kind of looked down upon. They were cast away from the religion of the day, but God chose them. To be a part of the Christmas story. And they, they must have been important because we still talk about them today. They made their way into the story. And so write this down. God makes the insignificant very significant. Well, how do you know that? Well, I know he did that in my life, right? I, I, I'm, I'm nothing special, but I know that God has given me significance to be able to to impact the lives of other people around me because that's kind of what he does. Like, think about King David. He was out tending sheep in the the pasture. God, God sends Samuel, and all of a sudden, King David begins to rise to the king of Israel because God takes insignificant things, and he gives them significance. And so we see that happen with the shepherds in this situation because they were at the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. They were, they were where they were supposed to be, doing what they were supposed to be doing. And the angel comes along and the glory of God invades their situation and all of a sudden makes them significant. Can I just tell you that God's glory can, can hit in the most unexpected of places? That in your workplace where you maybe wouldn't see God's glory otherwise, that the glory of God can hit when you least expect it. If, listen, you'll be where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to be doing, so he can find you doing it. Come on now. I I love this. If, If you'll be where God wants you to be, doing what he wants you to be doing, then he can find you doing it, And then all of a sudden, he can use you in that space. That's what happened with the shepherds in this story. But can I tell you, too often, we are so worried about things that we maybe shouldn't be worried about that we miss out on opportunities to see the glory of God, that we get so caught up in maybe comparing our life to somebody else's life or comparing my skills and my gifts with somebody else's gifts. And, And what happens is, all we need to do is just be where we're supposed to be, doing what we're supposed to be doing so that God can find us doing it. And then the glory of God comes on the scene and he uses that. Come on, I feel that in my spirit today that some of y'all, maybe you, you've been comparing yourself or you just feel like, man, can God use me in this situation? And, and we're so worried about other things that we're missing out on what God wants to do in your life right where you are. Can I tell you, wherever you are, God has you there. I'm going to say that again. Wherever you are, God has you there. And if you'll be faithful where you are to do what God has called you to do, and God can find you doing what you're supposed to be doing, he can use you where you are. He used the shepherds in the field that really had no business going and, and proclaiming God's glory, he used them. Because they were where they were supposed to be, doing what they were supposed to be doing. God found them doing it, and he positioned them right where he needed them to be. And then look, if you're you're aware and responsive, he can reposition you however he needs to. But we have to be faithful where we are in order to have that, that moment where he maybe needs, nope, I need you over here. I need you to be doing this over here. What happens is we run ahead of God. And we say, no, I think I should be over here. But God wanted you over here to be doing what he told you to do over here so that you could be used in that place, right? So we, we can't get caught up running ahead and, and worrying and comparing, but I just need you to know this morning that God has you where you are for a reason That's right. and that he can use you wherever you are, wherever you are. In that job that seems like a dead end, in that relationship with a family member that you'd rather not engage in, God can use us in those places. Verse nine, it says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory, say that radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. And there's some scary people in this story, like all the way around. They just keep getting scared. They're terrified, terrified, terrified. Look, there's something significant about the presence of God. There's something significant that the response uh, like in these moments is like, whoa, I haven't seen this before. Whoa, this is something powerful. And it uses this word glory. And this morning I kind of shared at the close of worship, glory, here's a a few of kind of the ideas behind this word glory in Scripture. As a noun, if you just look up glory, it means high renown or honor. One by notable achievements or magnificence or great beauty, like, you know, athletes, movie stars, things like that. As a verb, it means to take pride or pleasure in, okay? But more specifically in this context, in the word of God, from the Latin gloria, it means fame or renown. And in the Bible, it's used to indicate a manifestation of the presence of God. So when you read about the glory of God in the Bible, what you're looking at is a manifestation of God's presence, glory and presence. They go hand in hand because where God's presence is, there his glory is. And so we think about, you know, just looking around every day, we can find glory in things like a beautiful tree that's blossoming, or we can find glory in uh, you know our kids when they learn to walk or talk, and maybe glory in them when they get older too, hopefully. Um, but we can find glory in those things. We can find glory and beauty in God's creation. Right. But here's the here's the reality: the the glory of creation pales in comparison to the glory of the Creator. Right? There's there is glory kind of a glimpse of glory, so to speak. Like if you look at the Grand Canyon, I can imagine that's like an essence or a glimpse of glory. But even something so beautiful as that it, it pales in comparison to the glory of God. And so what what is glory all about? Like is that just for us to enjoy? Like I, like we experience God's glory, it's for us, it's like God's presence is just for us to kind of take in and, and revel in. That's not what we see in this passage, right? We see that God's glory is demonstrated so that these shepherds can then proclaim the glory to a lost and hurting world. Come on. Look, too often we get a little glimpse of God's glory and we just want to keep it to ourselves. Like, I, I got a peek at, at God's glory. Like, I'm, I'm good. Like, that was for me. I'm going to hide that, stuff it in my pocket, right? But that's not what we see in this passage. We see that they got a, a glimpse of God's glory, and they immediately, their response was, this is so amazing, I've got to share it with somebody else, right? Look at verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told who? They didn't tell some people. They didn't tell a few people. They told everyone they came in contact with. Like this challenges me. Because I've got to tell you, I haven't told everyone about the glory of God in my life this week. Like I maybe have told a few people, some weeks I might not have told anybody, but they told everyone. They told everyone because there was a fresh revelation of God's glory in their life that they wanted to tell people about. They had had the good news that they wanted to share, that they needed to share, after seeing him, they told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone. It says it again. What had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. After meeting Jesus, they went and told everyone. Can I tell you the, a great tragedy in our church today in America is that too often we're not telling anyone. Like, we're not telling everyone, we're just not telling anyone, right? About what God has, some people in this room, I know you, like God has done some amazing things in your life. And God has given you a a story that has been redeemed to share with other people. And too often, we get so caught up in just our own life situations that we, we fail to recognize opportunities, to share the glory of God with other people. Can I tell you that we all have opportunities? That you might have more opportunities or less opportunities, but there are opportunities. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you got opportunities? Sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes maybe we see the opportunity and we don't capitalize on it. Sometimes we just don't see it because we're not looking for it. You know, during this, this time of year, for some people, it's like joy, happy, like Christmas, love Christmas. For a lot of people, it's not that. There, there are a lot of people that the holidays are like the worst time of year, right? They've lost loved ones in the past. They just deal with depression around this time of year. I believe that if you will, over the next however many days leading up to Christmas, this week, I challenge you to look for opportunities. Because I promise you, if you'll slow down and have your eyes open, there are opportunities. And you might not go through the whole story of the birth of Christ with someone or your whole testimony, but sometimes just a little word of encouragement can bring joy into someone's life. Sometimes just stopping to listen to what they're dealing with, like that is enough sometimes to encourage somebody. I just wonder what kind of impact we could have if we would truly ask God and, and, and ask God to show us those opportunities to just give people a glimpse of his glory, just a glimpse of who God is, just a glimpse of his presence, just a glimpse of who he is in our life and who he wants to be in their lives. I, I want to challenge us to pay attention. Because your message could change someone's life. Like, you have a message. Your message might not be the same as my message, because what God did in your life, it's not the same as what he's done in my life. right? But we all have a message that we carry. And guess what? It could change somebody. Like, God has given you influence with people that I might not have influence with. But it can only make an impact if we share it, right? If we share what God's done, then it can impact others. The shepherds went and they told everyone. And listen to what happened when they told everyone. Sometimes I think we think, man, if I tell people, like, what good is it going to do? Like, they're not going to listen. Like, they don't want to hear about it. Like, will it really matter? Yeah, maybe it won't, but maybe it will. Listen to what happened. Everyone who heard it, all who heard it, were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. Everyone. Because when you get a taste of the real glory of God, and you share that with other people, can I tell you, people are hungry for God's glory. They might not know it. They might not know how to access it. But people want God's glory. And it said, everyone who heard was amazed. Now, here's, here's something too, though. You've got to have a fresh encounter with the presence to be able to carry that. Because if you only got some stale old encounter from a year or two ago, and man, that's not very appealing. But if like I met with God today and he told me some things, or like God's doing something right now in my life or in my family and people want that. They want to see that. They need that. They were amazed at what they said. Write this down. This is the most important thing all day. When you experience the awe and wonder of God's glory, it causes a response in you, right? It does something in you. But then that's not all. When you carry it to others, it can cause a response in them that when you encounter God, you're not gonna be the same, right? Encounters with God leave people changed. Like Jacob wrestled with God and he walked with a limp the rest of his life after that, right? Like your name might change. He changed Peter's name. He changed Paul's name. He changed everybody's name. Name might change. Like you're gonna be different. If you have a real encounter with God, you leave differently. It causes a response in you but then if we carry it to others, it can cause a response in them. Like, we've got to steward God's glory in our lives. Like, you have a responsibility. If God's glory is, is penetrated your life, then you have a responsibility to steward that. And to steward that well, you've got to take it to other people. Because it doesn't just cause a response in you. It's going to cause a response in them. This is the time of year where people that would never go to church, they might could go to church next week. So I'm I'm laying a challenge on the line. This week, pay attention. This week, look for opportunities. This week, be where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing so God can find you doing it and he can use you there. Like next week, it's going to be brand new for all of us in a brand new building. But what? how cool would it be if you could bring somebody with you into that environment? Then maybe any other time of year, they maybe would just be like, nah, not, I'm not for church. But around Christmas, around Easter, there are people that will go to church that would not otherwise go to church. But we have to look for opportunities and carry God's presence in a way that other people want that. If you would, bow your heads this morning and close your eyes.